On this week's show, my business suffers a massive, massive loss. Etsy dumps an unprofitable business and eBay wants you to call your congressman. What is up, Galaxians? Welcome to episode number 210 of the Galaxy CDs, Rocks, and Flips Reseller Talk podcast. My name is Ryan, and I am a full-time reseller, part-time YouTuber, and podcaster working out of my home here in the greater Cincinnati area, and this channel is all about the flip life. We've got a little bit of reselling news this week from eBay, Etsy, uh, Amazon, and Poshmark. I've got some things that I sold here at the Galaxy over the last week or so. Uh, but we're going to start with a tale <laughs> of woe. Um, if you're following me over on Instagram at Galaxy CDs Rocks or uh, caught the YouTube short or the community post, you know already a little bit about this. But last Monday, uh, I'm sitting on my recliner, reading a book, eating a bowl of ice cream and just enjoying a nice, pleasant evening when my phone rings and it is the owner of the place where I store all of my items. I say all. It's about 90% of my merchandise are in this new warehouse. I did an episode about it a couple of months ago when I first moved in there, and I had just literally sent this guy a message last week that the space was just working out perfectly. It is saving me so much time having everything, pretty much everything in one place. I do have a few items here at home, but I no longer have a storage unit and a garage and a basement and a bedroom and just stuff literally everywhere. 90% of it is in one space, and it's probably saving me a half an hour a day. I've just been thrilled with it. So he's calling me. At, it's like 8.45 at night, and there's a pretty good storm blowing through, but I don't really think much about it. And uh, the freight elevator, which I had mentioned in the previous episode, is the oldest freight elevator of its kind working in the state of Ohio. Over the weekend, it had started getting a little wonky. It got almost to the top, and it started shaking rather violently. <laughs> Uh, and then stopped short of the top by, I don't know, six or eight inches. So I sent him a text and said, hey, something's up with the elevator. I assumed he was calling to tell me that the elevator had been fixed. And so I answer the phone. I'm like, hey, what's going on, man? He's like, well, I've got good news and I've got bad news. I, and I'm like, okay. And he's like, the good news is that the elevator is fixed. The bad news is that the storm that's currently going on just ripped a big chunk of the roof off of the warehouse. And I was like, oh man, that's terrible. And he's like, well, that's not all. He says, as luck would have it, most of what appears to have been torn off is the roof directly over your space. Uh, and there's water coming out underneath the walls of your space into the hallway. So I was like, oh my goodness. I live about two minutes away. So I hopped in the car and drove over there. And uh, as I opened the door, my initial reaction were some words that I will not repeat <laughs> uh, here on the podcast and uh, on the YouTube show. Um, I Water was just pouring in through the roof, uh, through the ceiling, and just everywhere. And I, my initial reaction after the swearing was that I thought I had probably lost almost everything. He was obviously mortified. Mind you, the power is out. So we're trying to figure out what's going on with a couple of old flashlights. Uh, and he's like, what can we do? I said, most of these racks are on rollers. Let's roll them out of here. It's not 
It's not raining in the hallway. Let's take them out into the hallway and then we'll get the boxes that are just on regular standing shelves and we'll salvage what we can. And so we spent the next two hours roughly moving probably about 75% of my stuff from inside my space out into the hallway. Uh, it was, I, I, it's funny. I, I was just telling him that I was never going to move that stuff again. He was going to be the permanent owner. <laughs> uh, if I ever decided to stop reselling and here I was, uh, not two months later, moving all this stuff out into the hallway as it was, of course, it was still pitch black because the power was still out. So I really couldn't assess that night what the damage actually was the next morning. Power was back on. The elevator was working. Thankfully, the sun was out for a moment and it looked pretty good. So I went over and started to kind of assess just how bad it was. And as it turned out, uh, well, I guess first, as it turned out, another storm blew through and the roof was not yet patched. So I had yet more rain coming in. This time it was a little worse than it had been the night previous. So I ended up moving a few more boxes and a few more shelves that we had not moved the night before. Uh, it was a long, <laughs> it was a long 24 hours. So anyway, I, I was finally able to kind of assess where things were. And as it turned out, most of the water that was coming in, thankfully, uh, I guess if you're going to have bad luck, this actually worked out to be pretty lucky. Most of the rain that was coming in was coming in over the aisles, not over the shelves. So my floor was soaking wet, but a lot of the boxes had escaped getting damaged. It still, as it turned out, was hundreds of books and records in some cases that were waterlogged to the point of not being sellable. It was ultimately several thousand dollars of retail merchandise that had to be destroyed. Frankly, it was already destroyed. It just had to be disposed of. So uh, not ideal, but it could have been, you know, like I said, my initial reaction was I've lost everything. And then it was, ah, this could be tens of thousands of dollars worth of retail loss. And as it turned out, it was several thousand, probably less than $5,000 worth of retail goods that ultimately were destroyed by the rain to the credit of the, the owner. Not only did he help me out, the, they were literally there right as that storm, the second storm was approaching, working on patching the roof. They obviously didn't get it completed before that storm hit, but by the end of that day, it was done. Uh, the The guy had his crew put up plastic sheeting on the underside of the roof over my space so that any water who that manages to get by the patch before the roof is permanently repaired will be on that plastic and run out to the wall rather than all over the place. So... It, in the scheme of things, it could have been much, much worse than it was. So I appreciate everyone who has already kind of seen or heard part of this story, either through the Instagram or through the YouTube stuff, and has reached out with kind words and, in some cases, uh, financial contributions to the cause. There will be a link to a PayPal donation. <laughs> uh, if you just want to donate to that cause or just to donate to the podcast or the YouTube channel it would be much appreciated. Uh, it would help me out because it was not, uh, it was not pretty. In addition, I lost a couple of days of productivity because when I should have been working on listing or being outsourcing, I was over there sorting through and moving again, all of this stuff back into my space and then doing the work to delete the hundreds of listings that were ultimately thrown out and destroyed. So it was it has not been the best week here at the Galaxy. Uh, I guess if there's one other saving grace, 
the time period from Monday night when the storm hit until Thursday mid-afternoon when I had everything kind of put back in and organized was not very busy. I didn't have a lot of orders. So while everything was in chaos out in the hall, I didn't have to find a whole bunch of stuff, which was <laughs> actually pretty helpful. Uh, I have one business day handling. I did manage to hit all of my all of my deliveries on time. I didn't have anything ordered that ultimately was damaged that led to a cancellation. So all in all, again, things could have been much worse. Could certainly have been a heck of a lot better as well, but <laughs> it is what it is. We'll take it uh, and get on with life. So with that, uh, let's get into some reselling news. News updates. We're going to start over at eBay. Uh, Revamp your listings with new conditions. Enhance the quality of your new listings and establish trust with your buyers. If you are a trading card seller, this applies to you. Here are some improvements that can help you best represent your trading cards in new listings. Number one, a revamped grading system for single trading cards. We've moved from used to graded and ungraded. Graded, of course, uh, means it has been graded by someone. You want to add the relevant grader, the numerical grade, and the certification number, which they recommend. Or select ungraded, select the appropriate card condition that best fits the state of the card. And you can use tables that are listed below. And I will, of course, link to all of this for guidance. This change will affect all single trading cards in the following categories. Sports memorabilia, cards and fan shop, sports trading cards, trading card singles, collectibles, non-sport trading cards, trading card singles and toys and hobbies, collectible card games, CCG individual cards. Seamless migration. Soon your existing listings will auto-migrate where there's a one-to-one match between all the current card conditions. Graded, yes. Professional grader, grade or graded, no. Card condition. And the new condition model, which is condition graded, professional grader, and grade or condition. Then ungraded, descriptor, card condition. Auto-migration will occur with the new grading system launch in July. For sellers using APIs to list, new listings will require the new grading system in October of 2023 and existing listings in January of 2024. Stay tuned for more announcements coming in October. So there's going to be more to come in the trading card category. So be aware of this. If you are a card seller, there's a big migration coming for your card listing conditions and you need to update uh, whatever your process is when you list cards. Uh, eBay is also apparently cracking down on international sellers. Numerous eBay sellers from other countries are reporting that their eBay accounts have been restricted. No selling privileges in the U.S. and Canada. And in some cases, they're even having their funds held. There is a discussion board on the eBay uh, threads where they talk about um, the BBE, Bad Buyer Experience, One of the sellers posted a copy of the message. eBay regularly conducts evaluation of seller's account. In relation to your aforesaid seller account, we have noticed that a significant number of eBay buyers have had extremely bad buying experience when transacting with you. That might be one of the least professionally, grammatically correct (laughs) things I've ever read from a company. Man, that that paragraph is a mess. But in any event, uh, a bad buyer experience or BBE will occur, but is not limited to the following scenarios. The buyer filed for a dispute under item not as described. The buyer returned the item and gave a return reason that indicates the item was not as described. 
The seller canceled the transaction because you no longer had the item or the item was never shipped and the buyer's money was returned. The buyer left a detailed seller rating score of one, two, or three for item as described, or the buyer left neutral or negative feedback for you. To protect the eBay community from BBE and pursuant to the eBay user agreement and eBay policies, we regret to inform you that your eBay account has been restricted. This restriction means your selling privileges are restricted. Consequently, you will not be able to create new listings or revise any listings that are live on eBay sites and your payouts have been placed on hold. The safety of our community is a top priority for us. We appreciate your understanding. Uh, This applied only to apparently international sellers for a new policy that's scheduled to go into effect on July 24th. Seems like a little early uh, enforcement of this policy. Shipping performance policy item not received rate. There was a second thread also on eBay where international sellers reported similar issues. Upon evaluation of your recent transaction, it comes to our attention that INR percentage item not received rate of your eBay account is high compared to other sellers. Pursuant, again, to our user agreement, we regret to inform you that your seller selling permission of the United States corridor delivery country will be blocked. You cannot list items on eBay.com or select United States as your shipping location. So this seems to be for sellers outside of the United States and or Canada who want to ship into the U.S. or Canada only. It doesn't seem to be affecting sellers from other countries shipping into any other countries. It is strictly for merchandise coming into the United States and or Canada. An eBay moderator responded to some questions with the following post. For this particular type of restriction, it is focused on an international seller's INR history over a set period of time. If an international seller were to show a high percentage of INRs once a minimum of 10 is hit, then we will evaluate the account as a whole looking at several criterias. To prevent abuse, we are not able to share all of the things our system uses to determine if an account would receive certain restrictions such as this one, preventing international sellers from selling into the U.S. and Canada. They would not provide really any more details about reports from sellers that said they they essentially said it involved very specific policies to those sellers and they weren't going to get into it. That I'm not sure how I feel about that. How can you fix it if you don't really know? What the policy is, Uh, reactions from U.S. sellers, the article says, varied with some seeing a crackdown is good for the marketplace and others wondering if eBay was justified in suspending sellers who said they broke no rules. If you are a seller outside the U.S. or Canada that is trying to ship into the U.S. or Canada, are you having any issues? Did you receive one of these lovely little missives from eBay? If you're watching on YouTube, you can let me know in the comments down below or you can, as always, Email me at galaxycds at gmail.com. eBay through their Main Street program is also fighting a proposed new legislation called the Country of Origin regulations that would impact online sellers. How many times have you tried, they said, to find out where an item was manufactured when shopping online? A bipartisan group of lawmakers introduced a bill in May called the Country of Origin Labeling Online Act, also known as the Cool Online Act which would ensure that all goods sold online list their country of origin to protect Americans' right to know where the products they buy are made and to promote American-made goods for online shoppers. While informative for shoppers, of course, it would impose new regulations on online sellers like us with penalties for noncompliance. 
eBay's government relations department sent an email to sellers enrolled in its Main Street program last Tuesday asking them to reach out to their senators and request that they oppose this measure. Tell your senators to protect American small businesses and oppose cool requirements. American small businesses, they say, should not be treated like foreign manufacturers. Contact your senators. Hi, your name here. Congress is considering a new law that would place new burdens on online sellers. The Cool Online Act would take complicated country of origin labeling requirements that were written for foreign manufacturers and force them on Americans selling online. These requirements come with potentially hefty fines for every violation, even when it is the responsibility of the manufacturers to ensure that products are properly marked. Make your voice heard and tell your senators you oppose cool for online sellers. And then they have a link in the email. I did receive a copy of that uh, where you can go and essentially fill out a form email and select your senator and have it sent off. So if you're not participating in the eBay Main Street thing, uh, there'll be links to all of that in this article, which of course will be linked to down below. Uh, this this could potentially be just one more thing that Ryan in his basement should not really have to deal with. <laughs> uh, selling old books and whatnot. But there you go. The government is constantly meddling in uh, things they probably have no business meddling in. Anyway, moving on, Poshmark, I believe we talked about this uh, upcoming feature a couple of months ago, but they officially announced Posh Lens last week, back on the 19th. Posh Lens, they say, is a new visual search tool that allows you to find styles you see in a snap. With this new shopper feature, you can upload or capture photos of looks you love in real life and then easily find and shop for similar items on Poshmark. Are you ready to try it out? Here's how. From the app, tap the Posh Lens icon in the search bar from your feed or shops tab. Snap a picture or upload one from your camera roll. Ensure it's a clear image centered inside the frame and taken against a simple background. Capture your favorite fashion find, including anything from sneakers you've had your eye on to a statement bag to match your latest purchase. And then browse the search results to shop available listings. Find the item you've been eyeing or discover something similar. This new feature is not available on all categories. It is on select fashion categories that include women and men's apparel, shoes, and bags. It does not support the categories of beauty, home, or electronics. They don't say whether those will be in a future update or if they will be not ever part of this program. You can filter the search results once they are received. You can also select multiple items in a photo. Uh, there will be a little icon that appears in, the, in your photo that you can select to open multiple searches. It is only available on the mobile app. It's not something you can do on the web or desktop site. And they say as a seller, you can benefit by taking advantage of this feature to make your listings easier to discover. Ensure the cover shot of each of your listings is high quality, shot with proper lighting, and focuses on the item being sold. So that is now live, apparently, on the Poshmark app. If you have tried it, let me know what you think of it. This was a weird one. Uh, Amazon announced that they plan to add USPS ground advantage to buy shipping soon. Uh, ground advantage went into effect on July 9th. Uh, I'm recording this on July 23rd, and apparently they're still not offering it on their buy shipping program, which just blows my mind. Uh, eBay and... Etsy and Mercari all had it 
on time as scheduled. Uh, sites have known for quite some time that this was coming. They had plenty of time to get it implemented. The only one I deal with on a regular basis that did not have it ready day one was Bonanza, and they had it during the first week. Amazon doesn't even really have an ETA on when they're going to have it available. So they announced they're working to bring USPS Ground Advantage to its buy shipping label service, as it noted in last week's announcement. This program includes what were normally were formerly first-class package service, parcel select ground and parcel select cubic. You, as I mentioned, they made the transition back on July 9th, but as a seller pointed out in Tuesday's letter to the editor, Amazon had yet to update by shipping. In their announcement, they explained how it was handling the change. They updated, they said, USPS rather updated their shipping service prices with this new USPS Ground Advantage launch. These new prices, they say, have been replicated in buy shipping and will remain in place. When the new shipping methods are launched, you can buy labels through Amazon, buy shipping, and your existing shipping methods will update automatically to the equivalent USPS Ground Advantage shipping method. In the meantime... You can continue to use the existing USPS shipping services for your orders. We'll share more information on the launch date and any actions to take when we enable the new shipping methods, which is, again, crazy, just absolutely crazy to me. It also referred sellers to the USPS website to learn more about the program. For their part, the Postal Service has said that they will continue to accept packages with the old labeling through September 30th of this year. So Amazon essentially has a couple of months grace period to get this thing fixed. But man, that that's just bizarre to me. I don't I don't get that one at all. <laughs> uh, moving over to Etsy. Uh, they had been over the last few years on quite an acquisition tip and they have now uh, gone the other way. They are divesting themselves of the unprofitable Brazilian marketplace known as, I think it's LO7. They announced they have entered into a quota purchase agreement selling the parent holding company of LO7 to a Brazilian corporation called Enjoy SA. LO7, which was often referred to as the Etsy of Brazil, was acquired by Etsy just two years ago. However, over the past couple of years, their performance has failed to meet expectations. Rachel Glazer, Etsy's CFO, candidly referred to ELO7 as, quote unquote, tiny and acknowledged that the division is not yet profitable. Their uh, CEO, Josh Silverman, explained the rationale behind the decision. Although the ELO7 team has worked very hard to build a beloved marketplace and a vibrant community in Brazil, we have not seen the performance we had anticipated when we made this acquisition two years ago, in part due to the macroeconomic environment. They emphasize that this is the best in the best interest of Etsy, its shareholders, other stakeholders, like a CEO's bonus, perhaps, and ELO7, LO7's employees, as well as buyers and the seller communities on that site. After the transaction closes, which is expected in the third quarter, Etsy's house of brands, as they call it, will consist of just three marketplaces, Etsy, Reverb, and Depop. So... I, I guess good on Etsy for recognizing that it's not working out and divesting themselves. They say they want to, uh, by shedding a small and unprofitable division that would likely require significant time and effort to grow, Etsy can concentrate its resources on expanding its core marketplace. Ultimately, the decision appears to align with their long-term growth strategy. Terms of the transaction were not disclosed, but I did read elsewhere that an estimate uh, is that this will probably cost Etsy billions of dollars 
So that's no bueno. <laughs> Uh, speaking of selling stuff, uh, let's get into some stuff I sold over the last week. So, as I mentioned, I got pretty lucky. None of the stuff that I sold over the last week turned out to be stuff that was damaged. So, that was pretty good. Uh, this first item, ICS Reference Library 173 Steam Turbines. Engines and Thermodynamics. This is a book that was published back in 1908. It was in actually really, really nice condition. It had some like fold out blueprints kind of thing. It was a really, really cool old book. I had it listed for $24.99. It got a watcher. I sent out a 15% off offer and sold it for $21.49 plus media mail shipping. It was part of a big lot that I own for 16 cents. I have pretty much stopped really digging into DVDs and Blu-rays. It's just, there's so much stuff that just is not high value out there that I, I'll scan through and if something catches my eye that I think would be interesting, I will grab it. This is one of those. The Hobbit, the Motion Picture Trilogy Extended Edition Blu-ray 9-disc box set. I picked this up at a garage sale for $2. It sold for $24.99 plus, again, media mail shipping. I mentioned over the last couple of episodes that I've been on a real uh, tear picking up old yearbooks. If I can get them for less than $5, I'm almost to the point now where I don't even look them up. I just go ahead and buy them. If they're two, three bucks, I'm just snatching them up. They're almost always worth at least 15 to $18, and in some cases, quite a bit more. This is one from 1951, the Weir High School Yearbook, The Weirite from Weirton, West Virginia, again from 1951. Uh, picked this up for $3 at an estate sale, listed for $29.99, sold on an outgoing offer of 15% off for $25.49 plus shipping. Another part of that big 15,000 book lot that I'm into for about four cents, The Feminine Mystique by Betty Friedan from 1963. This was a hardcover with its dust jacket in actually really good condition. This thing sold for $27.99 plus media mail shipping. This was kind of an interesting book. I, I believe it actually is supposed to be part of a set that goes with some CDs or DVDs, kind of a learning program. This is a book slash workbook. God's Will to Heal, 30 Reasons Why We Are Sure It's God's Will for All to Be Healed. There were several sets of the CDs, but I didn't see any of these of this book listed I listed it for $34.99 plus media mail shipping. Again, got a watcher. A 15% off offer was sent out and it sold for $29.74. I, I tend to look for kind of old educational, particularly religious workbooks and study guides and study Bibles. I've talked about that kind of stuff on this show previously. Those are typically worth really nice money. Uh, this one, of course, was no exception. First sale on Etsy, the collected works of Gustave Flaubert, the giant international series from the 1920s. I've shown some of these in the past. These are pretty massive collections of works from classic authors. This was a series of books published from about 1922 to about 1929, from what I can gather. Um, I've sold a ton of these from an estate pickup that I did. I'm into them for about a buck a piece. Uh, this sold for $29.99. 
plus again, media mail shipping. I had mentioned uh, as I was working on that gigantic 15,000 book lot that there were a lot of paperback books and a lot of them ended up being donated to various places because they're just not high value enough. And there were so many of them. I didn't want to mess with doing lots, but every now and then I would stumble on one that was pretty good. Here is one of those out of the ashes by William W. Johnston. This was a first printing from zebra books from 1983. I had it listed for 34 99. I received an offer of $30 plus media mail shipping because I own it for about four cents. I went ahead and took that deal. Back over to Etsy again, Evening Musings by M.A. Burnside. This was a poetry book from 1942, published in Madison, West Virginia. This appears to have been maybe a self-published or at least a locally published book of poetry by this person. There were a handful of them out there, not a lot to really draw comps on. I listed and sold this one for $44.99 plus media mail shipping. was part of a lot of books that I own for about, again, 16 cents. Anything Robert Oppenheimer or the atomic bomb uh, is probably going to be worth looking at over the next month or so. At least I've sold several fairly inexpensive like biographies, paperback, old kind of vintage biographies about him right now with the movie being out. This particular book is not about him specifically, but it's kind of about that era and the, as is the title of the book, The Making of the Atomic Bomb. This was a second printing hardcover with its dust jacket from 1988, written by Richard Rhodes. Uh, Ex-library copy in really nice shape. These books seem to consistently bring anywhere from $35 to about $55, depending on what kind of shape they're in. Uh, It was part of the, again, that big lot of books that I owned for about 16 cents, and it sold for $44.99 plus media mail shipping. And now the flip of the week. This is one that uh, the order actually came through while I was in the dark moving books in the rain. (laughs) And it kind of improved my mood a little bit. Uh, Physical Improvement Volume 2 Ideals by Mark H. Berry from 1930. It's an illustrated hardcover by a company called Milo Publishing. So this Mark Berry is one of the kind of the founders and forefathers of bodybuilding. He was one of the first people to do it. He published this two-volume set on physical improvement filled with really cool old vintage illustrations of bodybuilders and workout techniques and so on. This was, again, part of that big 15,000 book lot, so I'm into it for less than a nickel. I had it listed for $129.99 or best offer. I received a best offer through the International Shipping Program for $110. I was hopeful and thankful that this book was not in one of the boxes that was under the rainfall in my warehouse. As it turned out, it was not. It was bone dry and in great shape. So I went ahead and shipped it out. So really neat old book about bodybuilding. I was actually talking to uh, my local post office guy is a former football player and he kind of knows about bodybuilding. And we were talking about this book, a really interesting piece that sold for 110 bucks, which served to, uh, help my mood quite a bit (laughs) Uh, that night while I was soaking wet, not only from the rain, but from sweating, from moving all those things. So uh, it's been quite a week (laughs) to say the least here at the galaxy. Uh, For those of you who did see uh, my tale of woe previously over on Instagram or on the YouTube short or whatever, and have reached out and commented 
or made a financial contribution, again, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. If you would like to do that or just support the podcast or the YouTube show in general, that eBay or that PayPal rather donation link is in the show notes and the video description below. I would appreciate it. If you got something out of this uh, episode, do me a favor, hit that like button. If you're watching over on YouTube, if you're not currently a follower of the podcast or a subscriber to the YouTube channel, I would appreciate that as well. And if you would be so kind as to share this with any other reselling friends that you think might get some value out of it, that also would be most awesome. So just to wrap up uh, what kind of week it has been here, uh, this is the second time (laughs) that I have recorded this episode today because the first one, the audio file was corrupted and the audio on the video file was likewise corrupted and it was unusable. So I have no idea what happened there. The While I was monitoring, it, everything sounded great. So yeah, I got to record this twice. So that's how much I love you guys. <laughs> uh, here's to better days. Here's to a better week. And now it's time to sell. Thanks, guys. You have been listening to the Galaxy CD's Rocks and Flips Reseller Talk podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we will catch you again next time.